Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy, and today we are talking about Flat Earth again. Hey, welcome back to the Flat Earth. Y'all liked it so much. You <laughs> said that Mark Sargent interview was easy to listen to. It wasn't Made me feel better and smarter as a person. Please have more. And we said that's no problem. So I had alluded after our interview with Mark that I really wanted to do an interactive test, something that we could do with Flat Earthers. I thought that would be really fun. And I figured there's no better place to do that than with the Independent Investigations Group. A group with which you have been long affiliated. Yeah, even longer than I've uh, been with this podcast. Yeah. Since... 2006, I think I joined. Oh, wow. That's the year I graduated college. Whoa. And they offer a $100,000 prize for anyone who can demonstrate claims of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. That's a different set of stories. But we also do demonstrations and just kind of fun interactive things and field trips. So who better to test whether the earth is flat or round? Yeah. Well, let's try to work out some sort of protocol. So I went to our next meeting after you and I had done our flat earth investigation and suggested that we do something over maybe three and a half miles of water with a laser. I was really excited Mm -hmm. about the concept of a laser, which I think I mentioned on the podcast. A couple laser experts reached out to me. So thank you to my experts who chimed in. And I very quickly learned that even a very powerful laser is not going to travel over three miles and stay collimated. The new term I got to learn Ah. that that's where you get all of the rays to travel very parallel so that they stay together. Mm -hmm. But then it needs to be so powerful because if you imagine seeing that laser beam all along the way Mm -hmm. from point A to point B, Every time you see it, that means light has been diverted off its course. Oh, right. So it has to be incredibly powerful. So you're talking about these military-grade lasers that are thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, and not worth it. Not legal to buy. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's probably best. It, right. I rem- be best. Hashtag be best. I remember seeing Wicked Lasers. That was a website. And I was always kind of lusting after these various powerful lasers and thinking, ooh, the things I could do. I wasn't really sure what I I would do, but you can pop balloons with these and <laughs> you can burn holes in things. They're so powerful and don't ever shine these anywhere near your eye. You'll go blind almost instantly. <laughs> so I, I had always thought, oh yeah, I could plunk down 300 bucks on one of these. Uh, but it turns out you can't even have those sent to the US anymore. Whoa. So I was quickly learning that this laser idea of mine was not the best idea, but I thought it'd be really fun if you could establish a laser emitting on one side of a body of water at a fixed height above the water, then you could have the target on the opposite side of this body of water at the same exact height. And theoretically, if we live on a round Earth, and if these two spots are far enough away from each other, then the Earth's curvature should get in the way of that path Mm -hmm. of light. Yeah, as long as it's far enough. Right. Seems like a good test that you could predict and then show one way or the other. So, and then if it's flat, you would see it. 
Exactly. Yeah, it would be able to travel through what should be an impediment. And water is such a good place to test this because, as we all know, water cannot hold a curve. Water can't fucking bend. So anyway, at this point, I still had lasers in my brain. And I got one of my buddies from high school, Nate Martinez, to send me his powerful laser. Ooh, okay. All right. Why did he have one? He's that kind of guy. Okay. <laughs> Your yeah, laser I'd, friend. I'd reached out to friends, and, and actually quite a few had lasers, and so he huh. was the first to be willing to send it to me. I wonder how many of my friends have lasers. That's how you know you've got a good selection of friends. <laughs> how many lasers they have. Yeah, right, and yeah. how powerful are those lasers? <laughs> I'm trying to think of who among my friends is the most likely to have a laser. Hmm... I can't think of anyone. What about our friend in Arizona, whose ghost we investigated? Oh, okay, Zachary. Yeah, you're right. He's, he might have a laser. He's got a laser. <laughs> For sure. All right, so at the same time, our old buddy Spencer. Oh, oh my friend Spencer might have a laser. Spencer marks, hey, he didn't in this case, at least mm. not one of that power. We're talking like 300 milliwatts or above, right. whereas oh. your normal laser pointer is like five milliwatts. Mm-hmm. And these things can get up to a full watt and beyond. It's crazy. Anyways, wow. he had come what? also wanting to do a flat earth test because he'd been talking with Sydney Silver. Okay. I'm going to use Related her. to Wendy Silver's? Not that I'm aware of. Probably not. She is of the flat earth persuasion. Okay. I always feel bad using the phrase flat earther. I feel like it's going to be somehow disrespectful or it's a, uh, too loaded a phrase, but it's not. They refer to yeah, themselves as flat say. earthers. So she is a flat earther and she has other interesting beliefs, which we will talk about. Oh, cool. Uh, but he had befriended her and she had wanted to, to her credit, test this out. Is there an experiment we can do? Good. So he had come with the idea of testing on a a salt flat. Okay. They're incredibly flat, so we can do a visual test on either side of them. And I was was very anti-salt flat because I thought, but water can't hold a curve. We want to (laughs) remove as many aspects of a test that the flat earth side could say. That either side would object to. Right. We don't know that this is an actually flat surface. Maybe Mm. some geological activity has happened. You know, why would I trust the USGS Mm. to tell me what's flat? Yeah, fair. So I thought if we can get on either side of the water, then we're talking. So as we do in the IIG, we went back and forth and back and (laughs) forth. We take forever to hash out details of a protocol. So I'll shorten this just to say we came up with a protocol where we would go to a very large body of water. Mm -hmm. We talked about a number of different ones. The original one I had suggested was the Salton Sea because it had been mentioned by our friend, I'm going to use his real name here, Angel, that we had met at the Flat Earth meetup group that Mm -hmm. we went to. Uh, He had said, there's no tides there, no measurable tides, not big ones, no big wave action. It's all an inland sea. So you can kind of control that aspect of the water. So did he mention it in terms of, I want to do a test there? Uh, he hadn't said that. He had just said that it was a reliable body of water where you didn't have a lot of wave action. Okay. And things stay nice and flat. Okay. So, okay, well, good. Now you've got a giant body of water where you can have targets far apart. And mm-hmm. we decided to do a visual test where you would see a target across the water. Mm-hmm. Then the idea is to remove any relative measurements of satellite data or whatever it is and just measure from the edge of the water. So if you have one measurement of the camera, let's say the camera is four feet tall. This Mm -hmm. was the final protocol design. You have a target on the other side that you're trying to see. Then you can use an earth curvature calculator to predict how high that target on the other side needs to be before you can see it. Okay. Whereas 
on a flat earth, theoretically, you should be able to see the other side at any point mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Okay. Just vanishingly smaller, right. but not completely obscured. Right. So, of course, life is never that simple. There's other atmospheric conditions to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I posted about this protocol on the flat earth group, already someone was saying, well, I'm sure we're going to experience atmospheric lensing. The idea that the atmosphere itself acts as a lens and gives you whatever results you don't want as a flat earther. (laughs) That's that's the fast way of saying it. Uh, So, okay, well, let's try to minimize that. Let's do this early in the morning. You know, let's get Mm -hmm. as little heat disturbance as possible. Let me just interject here. One of the things the IIG does that's very smart and my old stopping grounds, the James Randi Educational Foundation does the same, is that the testers and the testees must agree on the protocol before you hit the ground running. Right. And this wasn't for a $100,000 prize. So so we didn't go back and forth with them and have them help us develop the protocol. Right. But we did tell them about it in advance. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, you were listening to them when you posted it in the group and whatnot, like... Getting this this feedback and making sure we all agree on the terms is so key because right. otherwise, when the test is complete, everyone can just make up a bunch of shit about why it wouldn't work, which is what they do anyway. But if they've agreed beforehand, then you say, hey, listen. This is a fair test, yeah, right? Yeah, you said so an hour ago. You're totally right. And it's always interesting to see what the excuses are. So shooting over to one of the tests, for an example, we had a guy who was a water dowser. Mm-hmm. When he shows up, we make sure he's calibrated his dowsing rods. We have a known target with water and one without. Are you able to read clearly in this space? Oh, yeah. See, look, my rods are both pointing at the water. Good. Okay. And you're feeling strong today. Yeah, great. Okay. Then we go to the test where it's randomized and he doesn't know which of the 18 boxes the water is hiding under. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, he's unable to detect where it is. Uh, but he agreed to the protocol. In and what was his excuse? I want to say it was like the lighting or something with the <laughs> energy in the room. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, I'm not 100% sure on that, but it's usually something along those lines. We had one guy from Montana who could create vortexes or vortices Uh and said that we were all powerful mages who counteracted his Uh, ability with our negative magic. Good job, everybody. (laughs) That is actually what happened, but uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. So going back to the flat earth test. So we, we didn't intimately involve them in the design, but we told them in advance. And the idea was to do something that didn't require a lot of expensive equipment that was straightforward mm-hmm. anyone could do. And so the calculations worked out so that we would be at opposite ends of a 9.6 mile stretch, 9.61 mile stretch of the Salton Sea. Okay. And we did use Google Earth to measure that distance Great. and some other geological tools. And no one seemed to question that. Okay. They're happy to use those kinds of tools for measures. And that's long enough to be affected by the curve. Right. If there is and one. So from a height of four feet... There's a handy-dandy earth curvature calculator on GitHub, so we could always yeah. just pull that up, type in your eye height and the target distance, and then it does the math for you. Is that run by NASA, though? Because if it's run by NASA... Not as far as I know, but that's a good point. Mm-hmm. But at least then it's mm-hmm. consistent with NASA's claims, mm-hmm. right? So at an eye height of four feet, 
and a target distance of 9.61 miles, you should expect anything on the opposite shore touching the water to be hidden until it gets about 34.2 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. So that's a good amount of target height. Mm -hmm. You can hide a big target under that. Mm -hmm. We then uh, started experimenting. We went down to Malibu and we did a test. And here comes another big piece of the flat earth argument. And that is that the Nikon P900 camera has a magical ability to recover things that have disappeared over the horizon. I'm going to stop you there. Okay. Um, Did you have a problem with some of that? I don't think that's right. It sounds like... I'm pretty sure that's right. Things that have disappeared over the horizon. So that sounds to me like it has really good resolution and things that haven't disappeared over the horizon but that are just really small and hard to see are captured by that camera. Oh, you spoiler. Yeah, okay, that's that's exactly it. But there's a bunch of videos online of this camera. I'm showing Carrie. You're holding it up. The camera right Beautiful. now. Beautiful. There's a bunch of videos of it zooming far in and finding some boat that you couldn't see mm-hmm. at first. But mm-hmm. wow, lo and behold, but it's still under the horizon. It hasn't reached the horizon yet. So I don't know quite what they're getting mm-hmm. at. But I thought, let's use their camera. And it does have an amazing zoom lens on it. Yeah, it sounds like it has a good zoom. <laughs> yes. That it's, that seems to be the selling point. So 83x zoom and an equivalent of 24 millimeters, which is a very wide angle lens, to 2,000 millimeters equivalent. And that's just the optical zoom before you start like digitally enhancing mm-hmm. things. So it's an impressive zoom on this camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought one just for this test. Wow. Okay. I now I now own this camera. How much was it? I, I think I got a refurbished one for like 450 bucks. Whew, okay. Some, somewhere in that range. But still, the investment. Pocket drainer value on the flat earth <laughs> just, just went, went up. up. So uh, we tested it out in Malibu. We picked a spot. 2.1 miles away. Okay. And then we had our buddies Jim Newman and Jim Underdown from the IIG. And Jim, Jim Newman, Newman's been on the show. Yeah, you guys remember him from, from our, our interminable Amazing Facts <laughs> series. <laughs> True fact. So they were holding up targets on the opposite side. And so I took this really cool video where you can see me on the Malibu beach. Can't see anything, but you zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Oh, there's two guys oh. holding, holding reflective things. Pretty cool. Yeah. Technology's wild, man. So we could see a two foot by two foot square that Jim Newman was holding. So we thought, okay, well, if we're five times the distance, we should have something much bigger in apparent size. So we wanted our target to be 25 feet by 25 feet. Okay. But the idea is you could still hide that behind the curve of the earth, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Then how do you hoist this thing into the air? We thought, well, let's make this giant grit. You've got ideas. I was just thinking about up. Up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get Carl Fredrickson involved. He yeah, can, there you go. He'll solve this. Well, we did go that direction in that we were going to use weather balloons filled mm. with helium, mm-hmm. which ended I've up being of one of the most expensive parts of this test. Oh, wow. Kindly underwritten by one of the IIG members. Nice. It was like 500 bucks just to get the helium tanks or something. Oh, man. Yeah. But the idea was we would then blow up these balloons, and these balloons would be affixed to a PVC pipe mm-hmm. 25 feet wide, and then we would have dangling down from that pipe the sign and we could have a tape measure affixed to that pvc as well which would give us the height of the top of the target wait so is it just free floating is something holding up the The pvc the balloons okay yeah so it's like just floating around yes oh wow okay it really is like up so yeah it'll it'll lift and then it'll bring this 
target and we would cover the target. The original idea was to have it just 25 feet by 25 feet of reflective mylar, uh-huh. really bright mylar. Got and then it. we thought, oh, maybe we'll spray paint it bright orange or something like that. That was the idea. Anyways, so that's the basic protocol. And then you can measure how high is it before we can see it from four feet. The viewing height is very important in these calculations. Mm-hmm. That's our protocol. Now, y'all might be thinking, where was Carrie during all of this? Where were you during all this? (laughs) Well, I didn't know until kind of late in the game what was happening, but then I had to go to Atlanta during this test. And I knew that was going to happen. So I said, Ross, you are on your own. Yeah, that was too bad. So now that we had our basic protocol worked out, we set a date, I think originally in May, and I alerted the Flat Earth group about it and they got interested oh cool yeah we could participate but then i reached out to our friend mark Sargent, our best friend and said hey would you be interested in participating in something like this Mm -hmm. Uh, or do you know anyone else who would want to be involved so great he's johnny on the spot he immediately responded he copied another guy in southern california and said hey i can't do it on that particular date but this person would be interested and he also copied someone from national geographic because i guess they're busy shooting something about him or the flat earth movement okay can't say too much but national geographic was on the the thread and so they wanted to get involved and have mark Sargent come show up to this and they said any chance you can move the date so we made quite a few adjustments to get a date that would work for the group that Mm -hmm. would work for mark Sargent. but this was now the new plan mark Sargent would show up cool and the way we do our tests, we wanted to involve flat earthers. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, well, it'd be great ideally if we had two flat earthers at each station, mm-hmm. one on the far shore, one by the camera. And we were going to do an additional test involving a boat. We wanted to have a boat go out from the observing side towards the opposite shore mm-hmm. and see when a target on that boat would start disappearing. So we'd want flat earthers on the boat as well. All right, best laid plans of mice and men. <laughs> so, were you going to be at Gog or Magog? <laughs> yeah, which of the two four corners of the earth? Uh, <laughs> Gog. I was going to okay, be cool. all a Gog. Then we also had picked the two spots. Jim Underdown, he's the head of the IOG. He had gone out in advance and had scouted out locations. So we had our spots picked, and one would be kind of on the north east side and the other would be on the southwest side so it'd be sort of a diagonal so when the sun came up hopefully it would shine on the sign and not get in our eyes on the observation side we thought out quite a bit Mm -hmm. yeah not everything but i wouldn't be this far okay so i had been meaning to put together after the malibu test a description of this protocol and recruit a bunch of flat earthers Mm -hmm. and i sat on that for a long time i had given them updates on the date at least and they knew the basic protocol uh but then i put together this web page that said in more detail here's what we're trying to do and i used the phrase flat earth proponents okay and uh sent this out and i thought it was really nice Sasha, I'm going to use her real name. She's the head of that Flat Earth group. Mm -hmm. And she shared this out with everyone, made an event for it right away on Meetup, and even described us as a bunch of friendly round earthers. Oh, nice. Which I thought was super nice. That's great. She had heard our podcast and thought of us as friendlies. I really appreciated that. I think of her as friendly. She's actually fantastic. I really like her. Word had gone out. And I had given them my phone number and email address. And so I was starting to get a few responses. I thought, okay, good. It looks like we'll have enough people at least to have someone at each station. We'll have Mm -hmm. Mark maybe on the observation side. And oh, good, we'll have Sasha maybe. She can 
be here. And so I'm kind of assigning them in my mind. But as we're getting ready to go out to the Salton Sea, I'm packing up with my son. Andrew's coming along for all this because this is going to be a great learning experience no matter what happens. And uh, I'm getting text messages. I'm getting emails. I'm getting phone calls and more people are kind of showing up. And then Sasha says, oh, I've got three people in the car with me. Oh, great. Awesome. Spencer has been trying to get a hold of Nathan Thompson. He's another well-known flat earther. Oh, haven't heard of him. Very active. I'm suspicious of all Thompsons. (laughs) I had thought he was from Orange County because... Spencer had done a video with him on Barcroft Media a while back. It was a nice little piece. But it turns out he's based out of New Orleans or Louisiana somewhere. He's this young guy, uh, just very energetic and wants to be wherever the flat earth debate is. So he was struggling really hard to find some way to get out to California. Uh, So I heard he was on his way and he was coming with people. And so I thought, well, are those the same people? We weren't sure how many... How many people we're talking about now? So, are they using a plane? And if so, what kind of uh, <laughs> software does it have? You're right. So I drove out with Andrew and we got in the area just as the IAG was finishing scouting that balloon location for mm-hmm. the target. And so I met up with them at a Denny's. And so it was mostly the IAG at this point. There were maybe 10 of us and only one flat earther at this point. Sydney. Okay. Sydney Silver. I had never met her before. So I sat across from her at the Denny's and I just wanted to suss out where she was at mentally. Mm-hmm. And- I'm picturing Sydney McElroy, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't picture Sydney McElroy. Uh, <laughs> that would be so great if just suddenly Sydney McElroy is like, oh, but also, by the way, I'm a flat earther. <laughs> I would be gobsmacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would be Magog smacked. It is. (laughs) It is possible to gobsmack me, and that's how you do it. Wait, I can show you from a video where she interviewed Spencer on her channel. Oh, okay, okay. Blonde lady. Yeah. A thin blonde lady in her... Well, I can't really see. She's in profile. I would guess maybe uh, late 30s. Okay. The, The way Spencer had introduced her to the group when he was talking about her, she was just mindful of this debate and kind of curious, maybe a bit on the fence. But no, she definitely believes in a flat earth. Okay. So she was telling me how she started to question everything that she's been taught. Mm. Oh, I'd be a terrible student now. They'd kick me right out because I question everything. She's really proud of that. Then she said, it all became clear to me when I learned that NASA was lying to us with the Earth rise. Then she moves on. She's starting to say a bunch of other things. The Earth rise? The Earth rise. So eventually I stop her and say, can we go back to that? You said like the first thing that you knew was a lie from NASA was the Earth rise. Can you tell me more about that? And I assume she was talking about the footage or photo of the Earth from the moon, where you see the Earth kind of coming up. I couldn't remember in that moment whether it had been video footage or whether it had been a still photo Uh or a series of still photos. And so she said, and this point gave me pause for a moment. She said, yeah, well, you have this footage being taken from the surface of the moon of the Earth rising over the edge. Mm -hmm. If you're on the moon, you're tidally locked. And so the earth is always going to be at a fixed point in the sky. It's not going to mm. be rising. Mm. I went, oh, oh hmm. that that's a really good point. Let me let me think about that. Let me start to look it up. So I, I looked up that footage. It was video. And I'll show it to you. So the moon doesn't turn. It does a little bit. Okay. So, so there's the famous footage of the Earth. And you can mm. see it's kind of shaky. And I was wondering, mm-hmm. well, is this a time lapse maybe? Because obviously the Earth wouldn't be moving that quickly. Right. And yeah, why is it so wobbly? But yeah, I w- it's very jerky. It's but- very much like uh, The Office. 
You know, like in the office, oh, the it's intentionally shots. jerky. Right. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, so I, I wasn't thinking about that too hard at the moment, but I had that same kind of thought you did. How much does the moon stay yeah. tidally locked? Mm-hmm. And But it, and even if it were tidally locked, it could still spin on an axis. But I mean, it seemed like a fair point. Relative mm-hmm. to Earth, it's going to be always pointing that same direction. That's why we only see one face. Right. But I did know that, because I'd seen an animated GIF of this before, that as the moon goes through its monthly procession, it, it moves slightly. There's just this bit of wobble mm. and slight rotation. So you see a little more than half of the face of the moon. Okay. So I pulled up a gif of that and I showed it to her and I said, okay, well, this is just the first thought as I'm thinking about this. If maybe the photos were taken from not the side facing us, but sort of the edge almost facing away from us, well, then maybe you would have as the moon wobbles, the earth sometimes appearing just at the edge or just above it. Mm. I said, so that would mean that we would never see it rising and getting very far away from the horizon, essentially. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so then she responded to that and she said, well, all of the Apollo missions were on the near side facing us. And I I don't know if that's true. So mm-hmm. I looked it up and she was right. They were all grouped, okay. all of the Girl land. Knows her shit. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is a really fair point. So then I thought, okay, well, which Apollo mission was this taken on? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm about to believe this NASA lie. <laughs> then I saw that the footage of the Earthrise was taken on Apollo 10. Okay. And the first landing on the moon was Apollo 11. Oh. So I realized, oh, this wasn't taken from the surface of the moon. This was taken from command module oh. going around the moon, oh. flying much higher than the surface of the moon and very quickly. And so... I pulled up the footage and I showed her, oh, well, that explains why it's moving around so much. Mm -hmm. And she said, why is the ground not moving? I said, well, it is. But same reason when you're up in a plane, the earth moves very slowly. Mm -hmm. And she said, well. Hang on. They didn't always say that it was Apollo 10. They used to say it was from one of the landings. Okay. They changed their story. Okay. Does she have documentation of that? No, because... She believes in the Mandela effect. Oh, no. But not just the Mandela effect in that we often remember things that we later realize like, oh, Sinbad actually wasn't in a film where he played a genie called Shazam. And Mm -hmm. it's always been Bernstein Bears, never Bernstein Bears. Right, right. No, not Sydney. She believes that someone the government, some sort of malicious force is changing everything, including all historical records of salient, important things, but leaving her memories intact for her to be tortured. What? What? So get this. Australia used to be farther away from everything else, but now it's like, she said, five kilometers from Papua New Guinea. So The government's moving Australia? And going back and changing all of the maps so now it can lie to us about what it used to say. Does she think they're actually moving the land or just moving it on a map? That would be fun to get to the bottom of. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, huh. I I asked her, like, well, okay, this is an interesting claim, but how do you expect me to ever be able to verify that Uh other than taking your word for it? And she said, well, that's the problem. We were trying to work out a way we could test this. Well, you could send us predictions in advance, and we would gladly Mm -hmm. sit on these postmarked envelopes or dated emails, but she can't predict what they'll change. For example, they used to always take her pulse right here on her wrist, uh-huh. But now they do it here under the meaty pad of the palm. Okay. 
they changed that on her. Okay, well, <laughs> A, I don't know if that's true, but B, if it is true, it she, sounds like a medical improvement. She knows for a fact that it used to be sex in the city. That. No, it was, and they changed it. <laughs> no, just to make no. her crazy. She used to write for a periodical. She wrote a monthly column for uh-huh. L.A. Express, and then they changed it to L.A. Press. Okay, here's what done happened. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have great attention to detail, and she forgot. Oh goodness, you it's try so to weird. tell her this. Oh she, yeah, she considers that highly offensive. The whole Mandela effect thing—it just blows my mind because I just can't get my brain there. I can't get my brain to go. Your memories are perfect, but this written record is a lie. That, Instead of just like, oh, I guess I, re- I uh, remember that wrong. That was the only possibility for her. And so I also learned another aspect of Sydney when I said, looking at the map of Australia and its distance from Papua New Guinea, mm-hmm. I did a brief kind of visual measure and said, well, it's not five kilometers. It's not something you could swim, as she had mm-hmm. said, but it's more like maybe a hundred plus kilometers. She said, but you just admitted that you didn't think it was that close either. So they changed your memory. I said, no, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't have a clear memory of this. It was never an important point right, to me. Right, uh, I couldn't tell you how far Papua New Guinea is. And Spencer and I were trying to tell her a story just to conciliate and say, yeah, our memories mess with us. Spencer had always told me this quote, I taught you everything you know, but I didn't teach you everything I know. And he had told me that it was from this film called The Mechanic with Charles Bronson. Uh-huh. And so I finally watched that movie and I got back to him and said, great movie, Spencer, but they never say that. Oh, uh-huh. And he said, no, 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 I have a clear memory of that <laughs> from when I was young. So we like watched it together. Nope, not in oh, there. He's weird. like, what? That's crazy. So I, I embarked on this long adventure trying to find the right movie, tried a few different things, finally got to Baltimore Bullet. In that film, they're pool sharks. That's the whole premise of the film. One of them does say that exact line to the oh, other. Okay. okay, you ask for it, mister. You just remember that I taught you everything you know. But I didn't teach you everything I know. And Spencer says, okay, yes, he is saying the exact line, like word for word. But the only problem is I've never seen this movie. Oh, weird. Yeah, totally weird. So in, yeah. in Spencer's mind, this is still not solved. But right. he's not claiming that they changed the movie on him. Of course. But Sydney very clearly feels this is how the world works. So I, I feel like with Sydney, it would be very funny to be like, no, you just said that the earth was round. You just said that. And then she's <laughs> like, no, be like, yes, you did. Did they implant a memory in you so of mean. not saying that? But, I mean, it would also be instructive, I think, about how, like, yeah, you can play this game forever. Nothing is reliable. Yeah. You you just can't talk about anything. But I was finding that very quickly in this conversation. I I did get frustrated a few times in the course of the conversation when she was insisting on so many people being deceitful. Yeah. Uh, It was driving me a little batty. Anyway, so we went over to a hotel in India where we had rooms to stay for the night. In India? Indio. Oh, Indio. Small town near to the Salton Sea, close enough to it. We went out and we started putting together this giant target we were going to need in the morning. So we had this fish net that was hanging from the PVC and we were cutting out mylar and trying to stuff it up under there. And uh, at one point as I was cutting mylar strips, there was a guy in the hotel room right next to where we were and he shouted out, hey, can you guys keep it down with all that racket? I'm trying to smoke crack here. <laughs> 
Were you even being loud? Oh, yes, we were. Oh, we were okay. definitely making a ruckus. I said, it's for science, if that makes you feel any better. He said, it's for science? Okay. Ah, was this through a wall? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the end of that conversation. And, well, a window as well. So we all worked hard on this, and the wind was already pretty strong, so it was really tough to keep this thing steady, which was a bad precursor for the next day, if, if you're into the foreshadowing sort of thing. I love it. I love foreshadowing. So we got it constructed about as much as we could. But at that point, we only had four feet high of mylar across this 25 foot width. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, okay, well, if we have 25 feet by 25 feet, the apparent size should be about twice what we were seeing in the Malibu footage. So we need we need a bigger target, not 25 foot We're by need four. We're going to a bigger boat. Right, because otherwise it's just going to be this very narrow strip. Let's mm-hmm. try to make a bigger one. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, well, we'll add more in the morning. So we yeah. all went to sleep very late. We went out to get dinner together, and a bunch of flat earthers were already showing up. Sasha showed up with her friends, and Nathan showed That's up awesome. with his friends. Yeah, so here we had this giant group, and we were talking and uh, getting along. Oh, this is going to be really fun tomorrow. Yeah. Cool beans. Finally, we got to sleep around midnight. So I knew we were going to get up at 4.30 in the morning Uh, to start packing. Well, before you went to sleep, were there any good podcasts you could listen to? Well, this one put me to sleep because it's so good. Hey, this is John Roderick of America. I know that guy. He also made the theme song for My Brother, My Brother and Me. And you've teamed up with uh, your friend Adam and a guy you also know, Ben Harrison. Hey, you're my friend. Uh, And we make a uh, war movie podcast called Friendly Fire. Now, you may be turned off by the premise right then and there, but you would be wrong. (laughs) Well, it's because it's about so much more than war or war films. War movies are also a great window into filmmaking and the way our culture thinks of itself and other cultures think of themselves. So listen to Friendly Fire on MaximumFun.org every Friday or get it wherever you get podcasts. I didn't listen to that podcast because it's, it's too been, good. You would have been, been up all night. Up. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair. So I was getting my sleep and then I got a phone call at 3.20 in the morning from another flat earther who had already arrived at the location, wanted to know exactly where he should be. Oh, boy. Great. So I <laughs> texted him back. Can't talk right now. Trying to get a little bit of sleep. So lost about 20% of my sleep there. Anyway, so we got up at 4.30 in the morning. I was milking cows. You know, it just occurred to me, are all these people using GPS to get to? Yes. Yes, uh-huh. they are. Interesting. No irony there. Because that's uh, directly to a satellite. Jebediah fed the chickens. Jacob plowed. This was what we were doing at 4.30 in the morning. Oh. Weird Al. No. Amish paradise. Oh, okay. No? Uh-uh. Okay. Anyway, so we started packing up all the cars and we're grabbing all the things and lifting these huge helium tanks and getting them in the truck as well as this target. So we're running a bit behind schedule already. I'm getting nervous because I know people are going to be out there waiting for me on the observation side. Mm -hmm. So Andrew and I head off. We get there about seven minutes after the hour. We're supposed to be there at five o'clock. So we're there at like 5.07. And there's already people there getting together and more showing up. And setting up our cameras and all of this communication was going to be done by cell phone. So we're calling the other side. Hey, guys, how's it going with the sign? Oh, we're still working on this. Oh, this is getting in the way. So uh, the sun was just coming up at that point. And that's why we wanted to be there and start by 530 because that's when things were going to start heating up. Mm -hmm. Sun was coming up and the sign wasn't ready to go. The target was still grounded. 
They were still putting it together on the other side. And we had two flat earthers over there. Just various complications. Mm -hmm. So the balloons at first were not lifting enough so they yeah, okay so before they inflated them more they tried some other things and the sign kept picking up wind and instead of moving up it would just fly out toward the water oh, yeah yeah okay that's kind of what i was worried about when i heard that this was all floating yeah yeah a little worried about that i was also super worried about low-lying fog cloud uh -huh. cover yeah yeah so definitely what if mother nature throws that at you then again that's a benefit of the salt and sea is that that's less likely out mm. there that you're going to get a giant fog bank rolling over how did the salt and sea happen it had been a sea a long time ago in the distant distant past mm -hmm. and then a bunch of irrigation work had sort of accidentally i think sent a bunch of water that way and filled up what was a dry lake bed ah okay uh, creating a, a lake a gigantic lake it's huge uh -huh. there had been all these communities that sprang up around it but then over time they've diverted the water source that was feeding it so now it's just been drying up Right. It's highly saline, more salty than the ocean. Oh, okay. And so it'll dry up eventually? Yeah, at least it's on its way oh, in that direction. It's often known for its bad smells as well. Uh. And the day before, Spencer had said, no, no, it really wasn't as bad as one would be led to believe. I mean, you smell a little bit of fish and death. And so then I was making fun of him. Oh, yeah, it smells fine. Just <laughs> If I had to describe it with one word, I'd say death. It smells like death. But <laughs> kind of an Indio burial ground. And when I set up my camera, it was literally within two feet of a dead fish. Oh, wow. But yeah, I'd pick I feel like my spot. My pun could have gotten a better reaction. Oh, I'm out sorry. Of you. What did you say? Indio burial ground. Indio burial ground. I'm sorry. Thank you, I Ross. I did not fully Whew. appreciate. Yeah, thank you. Let pun. that sink and <laughs> sink into the lake. <laughs> they were struggling on the other side, and we're getting updates. But by the time it got up, it was already past. I want to say seven o'clock. And things were heating up fast out yeah. there. So we were already seeing, as we were observing across the lake, reflections. So you would see mirror images of things on the opposite side. And we're already debating about how high certain things are on the other side of the mm -hmm. lake. Oh, that's weird. It looks like that truck is driving down into the water. <laughs> well, that road is, you know, 20 feet up or, you know, we're speculating wildly at this point. More people are showing up. More people are showing up. So at this point, I want to say there were maybe 15 flat earthers. Oh, wow. And how many globe heads? Globe heads i would say uh, maybe about the same number okay but the ig was more split up because you had maybe six of you them you should all just do tug of war opposite side whoever wins that's the shape of the earth <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good way to settle this yeah we've got people coming up to me to complain about this though almost no one was setting up their cameras at the test height four feet off the water okay everybody instead was all way behind me on this berm that lifted up from the water this small hill and i would be totally guessing at the height of it but i would say if you're standing there with your camera at eye height on this berm you're maybe 20 feet above the water so was there just no place to do it at four feet oh no tons of places there oh. was nothing but places to do it but they decided they wanted a better view of what was on the other side. So let's set up our cameras up but top. That's no use. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just make our own tests. Was the, oh, was this all the flat earthers? Mostly. Okay. Uh, my buddy Joaquin was there uh, uh -huh. from work. You've met him before. Mm -hmm. He photographed us a couple times. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. And uh, another friend of mine from work had come out, both of them at the last minute. Yeah, I'm going to drive out three hours to uh -huh. Salton Sea. I mean, fair. Joaquin's a photographer. He probably just wanted some cool shots of this test. But He's a for, great the, photographer. for the test itself, 
You got to have the, the one at the measurement right. that you planned on. Yeah, so he knows how physics work to an uh-huh. appreciable d- degree. So yeah, he was up there to get some interesting shots and, and counter perspectives. But yeah, pretty much everyone else was up there except for Sydney. She set up shop just a few feet away from me on the other side of the dead fish. And she mm-hmm. was maybe a foot off of the water. She okay. was trying to get really low. I thought, okay, well, okay. You, know, you do your thing. Uh-huh. And so I talked to her quite a bit during this. She'll come up later. But, <laughs> but let me just say, like, I would I would have moments of, hey, we're getting along. We're seeing common ground or we're having productive conversation. And then it would go very, very south. <laughs> so uh, finally, we had the target start to appear. And there had been a flurry of activity. One of the flat earthers, Nathan, not Nathan Thompson, but another Nathan. There were there were two Nathans, and there were, there were duplicated names, so that was complicated. But yeah, he was on the other side trying to help someone on this side locate him, uh, so we could figure out where to be pointing our cameras. We knew approximately where, but not exactly where. And so finally, yeah, we locked onto these balloons coming up. We're starting to take footage. I've got my Nikon P nine hundred taken video. You know, that can recover things that are lost over the horizon. It can. Yeah. Which is amazing. Incredible. So by our predictions, the target would have had to have been 35 feet in the air before we'd start seeing it. Mm -hmm. And so we'd see the balloons just rise above the reflection point. And then finally, we got a reflection point, the line at which we were seeing a mirror image across the lake, a visual phenomenon. So we don't know exactly where this reflection point is. But let's say I see a house. And so I see its windows, I see a mirror image of its windows right below it on the lake floating above the lake floating above the lake here i'll I'll show you footage yeah i must just be um not picturing this thing i see all the time see what i'm talking about so you see some mirrored image there yeah and that's above the lake well that's that's the tricky thing if we knew exactly where it was in relation to the water that Uh, would help solve some of this but essentially it's creating a distortion right where we're trying to observe so right that stinks we wanted to avoid that and now Mm -hmm. it's now things are heating up and we're getting more of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm having lots of people show up and complain about this to me and wanting to start totally different conversations. And many of the flat earthers have live streams going on. So Nathan Thompson's got a bunch of people watching his live stream. And so he's running up to me to ask me questions like, oh, God, why is it that you never see asteroids go up? They're always going down. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> What, what do you even mean? I don't know. I'm trying to set things up. Yeah. You know, this is kind of time critical. Can we talk about this later? Uh-huh. I, I'd have to think about it. I don't I don't know what you're getting at uh-huh. there. And then Sydney runs up and says, why do asteroids always go down? I said, oh, that's what Nathan was just asking me. He, <laughs> st- he stole my question. I asked that first. I asked that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, okay, Sydney. All right. That's your question. That's great. Right. I, <laughs> I don't know. Let me get back to my camera right now. And so like, you know, I'm trying to take care of things. Uh, oh, I see what they're trying to say. Once it gets near the earth gravity is going to act on it yeah apparently there's a few answers to this so usually we can see meteors at night Uh that's when they are relatively bright enough and typically they are in a path that is toward the sun because that's where Uh gravity is Uh uh, drawing them if you believe in that sort of thing (laughs) i do and so the direction that they tend to be coming is toward the sun and into the atmosphere. And so we see them falling down. But there are meteors that do go upward. It's just we don't see them as often. Mm-hmm. So that that's supposed to be the answer to that. Anyway, I, I wasn't prepared for that. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're, we're here to do a very specific test. Can we yep. talk about that? So they're jumping out with all these questions. Anyway, so we do get a couple glimpses of the target. And it's only the four-foot strip. But we can see it. And it's bright and silvery. And it just gets above 
that reflection point. So you can see, okay, now it's starting to divide. So we know we've reached a point where we can see it. What's the measurement? What's the measurement? And they had one solid measurement on it when it was at that point, directly down to the edge of the water, mm-hmm. 46 feet. Okay. So we were well above our height where it should have emerged. Uh, and we do have that distortion in the way legitimately that's causing problems. And then I talked with my friend Tony from work. He was also there and helping document this. He said that at one point when we were observing it, it had gotten as far as 52 feet. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in that range, we were seeing it. But then one of the balloons popped. No. And it came down, you know, after we had gotten a visual confirmation, we knew where to point. We were going to start doing controlled raising, lowering, but the wind was an issue and yeah, the (sighs) balloon popped. And so they were going to start filling up trash bags to buoy that side of the target. And then the other balloon popped. Oh, man. Yeah. There goes all that uh, expensive helium. It's very hard to capture. So That was super frustrating, and uh, that team put it all away, and they drove back over. So yeah, we had this flurry of activity over on the flat Earth side. Now it's becoming the flat Earth side, because there were (laughs) at at least 20 of them, I think. And and I don't mean to use them in the sense of, like, not us, but uh, Mm -hmm. there are 20 flat Earthers there. And just a whole variety of approaches in how they wanted to have conversations. So everyone was trying to grab my attention and other people's attention. So we're having all these conversations. We're waiting for the balloon team to come back over and join us so we can start the boat thing. So this was a time for us to talk amongst ourselves. Uh, got to meet Mark Sargent in person. He said mm-hmm. he missed you. He was asking where Aww, Carrie was. that's sweet. He had hoped to I see I miss you. him. Yeah. And, and you would have these very cordial conversations one moment and then things would change the very next, depending on how close a camera was, I think, to mm. whatever conversation was happening. That made you more cordial? Less or cordial. Less. less. Okay. Yeah, the the flatter side in particular. Now, I won't say everyone was on their best behavior at all times, mm-hmm, but sure. some of these conversations got pretty ugly. Uh, and so when National Geographic was filming this, they would often get, say, Jim Underdown. He was our man on camera to talk about what had just happened. He would say, well, we didn't see anything that we wouldn't expect to see on a curved earth. Mm-hmm. And so this is fully consistent with a curved earth. So then Mark Sargent would come in and he'd be talking about how, nope, you've all heard his confidence before. If mm-hmm. you've listened to our interview with him. No, we've done experiments and there are many better experiments that could be done with lasers and we've done them and they show that the earth is absolutely flat. 100%. Hmm. So there was a bunch of that going on and then voices would raise and then a bunch of people would just jump in and start yelling, well, do you know what an interferometer is? Oh, no. So this was, do you remember the guy who was really tall and kind of militaristic? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was him. He was there. Oh, okay. For- he would always lead the charge on yes. every physical movement that that group made. We're sitting at these tables. No, we should sit at those tables. Everybody follow me. So he alternately introduced himself as being uh, from the military formerly and also being a physicist. Okay. I would love to know more about those credentials. (laughs) I wonder if that's like, who was it? Uh, who was claiming to be a geologist, one of Trump's appointees who was like, well, as a geologist, and then it turned out he just 
had a geology minor in college or something. Oh, no. That's like L. Ron Hubbard showing up for one physics class and dropping out of it early. Yeah. And, and then, then saying he knows a lot about physics. Uh-huh. So yeah, this guy just kept interjecting himself in every conversation. And so did Nathan Thompson in particular. I think those were two of the more egregious members of this cadre. Sydney would do this as well. She would just jump in. So if there's a camera going, they're going to have this extra voice asking new questions from the side. <laughs> And uh, so I pulled tall military guy to the side at one point. I can't remember his name at the moment, but said, hey, let's talk about etiquette here. Like, Uh you know, trying to have conversations here. We're here to do a very specific test and the idea of solidarity of us getting together. And and you're throwing out these other things. And maybe those are interesting. But if someone's having a conversation, you can't just jump in Mm -hmm. and shout these things. And you're using these very deceptive tactics. If someone says, no, I I don't want to talk about interferometers right now, or that's not an expertise of mine, then you say, oh, well, clearly you don't understand science. Or he's yelling Mm -hmm. at them like, oh, I see. You're too afraid to talk to me. Oh, geez. These are the sorts of tactics. And so, yeah, I was like giving him this talking to like, hey, this is just basic. How to have a human conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Being a decent human being thing. Yeah. So so I scolded him for a little while on that. And he, to his credit, he did eventually pipe down. I, I gave him like a five minute soliloquy just to, <laughs> to talk to me. Say, OK, I'm listening. Go ahead. And it was the longest run on sentence you have ever heard. Yours or his? His. Oh. <laughs> so I waited for him to finish. Said, OK, so. Now it's my turn to talk, right? And so he kept interrupting me. I said, stop, stop. And he would. Anyways. So, uh, <laughs> boy, there were so many of these conversations. I'm noticing you touching your face more and more <laughs> as this story goes on. Angel came up to me at one point. He was the guy that I really liked with the pleasant face. Uh-huh. Uh, so he was there. Oh, Angel, so glad to see you again. I took a selfie with him. And he was very complimentary. Oh, you look great on camera. And uh-huh. so we were talking to each other. And, and he was saying, now, now, look, you were saying that I had suggested salt and sea as a location i just i just want you to know that i would suggest other places for a test like this and okay oh, like that, where sure yeah that that was never forthcoming just we've done better experiments mm-hmm. elsewhere that show i don't know somewhere that apparently shows the earth is flat uh, mm. he uh he was a map he was trying to grab me and and he would use his body language to sort of frame my vision so i couldn't look past him and so a few minutes of this would go by and say hey you know the, love this conversation, but we're getting a little far afield because he was wanting me to respond to points that Jim Underdown had made when he was arguing with Mark Sargent. He said, you need to address this. I "I don't. I really don't. (laughs) I I don't need to address Jim's specific points. And I'm sure this is very interesting, but I am trying to move over here right now. I need to make sure these people are hydrated and want to check on my son. So I'm kind of moving around a little bit. Yeah, God, like the tactics of flat earthers, and I'm sure they're not all the same, but, but a lot of them seem to be like, you need to explain every tiny anomaly I don't understand, but I don't need to explain anything. Yeah, it, I think for them, the in general, again, there's a variety of uh, approaches, mm-hmm, but of I, course. I see as a theme that many of them uh, believe a strong offense is the best defense. Yeah, and so for sure. They come out swinging like, well, what about this? And I'm always reminded of 9-11 truthers. I was who, just thinking that. Who jump in with a thermite. You know, I've yeah. read everything about thermite and I've worked out a way that this could have all been done with thermite. <laughs> so, okay. I don't understand this. Isn't that impressive? Yeah. You haven't spent a month of your life reading about thermite, so you don't care about science. Right. Uh, that was another thing I'd stop military guy on is uh, he had yelled like, well, this isn't a scientific test. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on. 
Okay, mm-hmm. well, sure, it could have been better, but you can't mm-hmm. say like we're not asking questions of nature and right. measuring what we can measure. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's watching me uh, uh, flustered just, again. Gesticulate, communicating. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know with your hands. <laughs> so uh, another fun bit of conversation I had was as I had stopped up on the berm to see what Joaquin was looking at for a while. And he was showing me some footage of a house that you could clearly locate on the opposite shore that was at the far left end of this group of houses we were looking at. And the way it was situated, it looked like it was reflected in the water. So you would walk Mm -hmm. out the front door and you'd just fall in the water. Oh, right. Then he said, okay, well, look what I found. So now after we had looked at it through his camera which had like an 800 millimeter equivalent lens. He had me look at it, find it in the binoculars from that same vantage point. Okay, I see it, same thing. He said, okay, now step down the berm so that your head is where your feet used to be. So okay. I go down that far, scan the houses, no house. Ah, right. It's like, it's like the earth got in the way or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that flat water that can't hold a curve. So I saw Sasha there. Let's show her this disparity. So we had her stand up on the berm and she looked through... Okay, I know how to spot it now. Yeah, okay, so step down here. So then she scanned, stopped, scanned again. Mm-hmm. I, that's weird, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, interesting, huh? <laughs> you don't see it. Well, how, how would you explain that? The so- Mandela effect. <laughs> I didn't actually see it before. Okay, this is even better. Oh, no. Okay, so, so sweet Sasha, she said, okay, but remember, we had to step forward as we were leaving the berm to get down here. So on a ball... Uh-huh. Can I borrow a piece of paper? You got a piece of paper? So yeah, I go get a sketchbook for her, <gasps> run back with my pencil and everything. Okay. So she draws, you know, a very relatively small circle and says, okay, so as you step forward on the ball, you're actually leaning forward and you're now looking down. So you're not going to see as far. Wait, <laughs> but... Uh, I see Carrie struggling with this. Wait, well... So First it, of all, no. But second of all, she's starting with a ball, right, which but she, she doesn't think we live on. Well, but she's saying this is, you know, according to your model. Right. And, and I'm not sure exactly what the point being made here is other than <laughs> yeah, a distraction from the obvious. But but if you step back on the ball, well, uh-huh. then, then your angle, you're leaning backwards, you're tilting backwards, and you're just looking up at the sky. There's a number. What? There's a number of responses to this, but we said okay, and by we I mean Joaquin's now there, and mm-hmm. uh, my friend Tony also from work, and uh, and his son, and so we've got a little group forming. My son Andrew's there. She seems to think the Earth is much smaller than it is. Right. So, and every time you start pointing that out, they say, "Oh, you always say the Earth. It's just it's such it's a big bag. ball." Yeah. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want to if you want to deal with our model, you have to at least. Did understand you see for us? Gump, it took him so long to run across the country. <laughs> so so she's making this point that as you move forward or backwards, you're leaning forward or backwards. And so I said, well, hold on to the binoculars and just lean backwards. See if that changes things. Uh-huh. She wouldn't do that because I think maybe uh-huh. she intuitively knew that that wasn't going to get her anywhere. Then I was saying, OK, well, it would be no different if I was standing up on this bench and I just went straight upward mm-hmm. or straight downward. It's the same effect. So I started. To, oh, yeah. Good point. I get up on the bench as I'm illustrating this and Sydney walks by and she says, oh, I see how it is. Yeah. You like to stand up on a bench. So you're like the preacher and everyone has to listen to you. Is that how you feel stronger about your opinion? Wow. This is Sydney. Wow, Sid. 
Wow, you could take a hint from Sydney McElroy, <laughs> your namesake, and cool it down a little bit. She hadn't been listening to any of the conversation. This is just what she does. She sweeps in and she drops bombs. Jesus. All right, so thank you. Thank you for that. So then I thought, okay, well, here's a here's a way to show it. I grabbed the tape measure that we'd been using to measure the lens height, and I had Joaquin hold onto it at the center of a new circle I was about to make, and I took it out 13 and a half feet, a little over 13 and a half feet. And I let that be the radius. And I drew a big line in the sand of a circle with a, you know, 27 foot diameter mm-hmm. and said, I, I did the calculation on this last night. If this is the earth, if this giant curve is the earth, the test that we're doing, 9.61 miles, occupies about one centimeter on the edge of the circle. And so I highlighted that in the sand and said, see, it looks pretty darn flat because we're like mm-hmm. really zoomed in. Mm-hmm. But Oh, this is kind of what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Carrie had sent me this link beforehand, like how to kind of demonstrate the curvature by showing what a tiny, tiny arc we're talking about. So yeah, yeah. Ba- based on that, thank All right. you. right, you're welcome. I, I had done that calculation. I, I had was the, there in spirit. I had that ready. So I showed her and said, okay, so then if you draw a line out from the center through the two sides of the centimeter, they look very parallel to to one another uh-huh. as you move back and forth on the just the edge of that we're talking about an even smaller space where we're standing your vertical angle isn't changing much mm-hmm. and that's why raising or lowering the camera has a lot more effect than moving further or closer away from the target mm-hmm. that's why the target is 9.6 miles that direction mm-hmm. and the camera's only four feet off the ground mm-hmm. none of this and that's why like you haven't noticed things disappearing all the time when you're walking. <laughs> right. And so I thought I was explaining this well. It just was not going through. Yeah. It, none of this was making any sense. And so, I wouldn't have even known where to begin with her. So good job. So Joaquin was trying and and then Tony. And then eventually I had to move on somewhere else. But they kept talking to her. and But she was, she was being gracious and very sweet about it. She just, it wasn't making sense. Mm-hmm. So then I go over to another table later sydney's there she's already interrupted someone else's conversation and and accused them of all kinds of horrid things based on moving australia two two words that she heard them say she took totally out of context tony was telling me the story later and so i stopped by for that conversation and she's trying to explain perspective to us this Uh happened a few times a number of different people were trying to explain perspective to us Uh and they have this very special definition of perspective and then, great then they get mad hey walking uh, a photographer hey ross <laughs> who works in animation let me tell you about perspective right so the point that she was making is that we had already begun the boat test at this point so mm-hmm. we had a boat it was just kind of a small inflatable boat but with a electric motor on it and it was working its way out and it had one foot high stripes on it so we you were know just get in that boat and sail off ross no get away from here <laughs> you're right take me with <laughs> Goodbye. you so Sydney's saying, okay, you've got this boat going out and we're trying to now see it from one foot off the water. She's saying, but there's going to be waves getting in the way and obscuring our vision of the boat. And you're going to say it's the curvature of the earth. That would be fine, except one of the nice features of the Salton Sea, as much as you don't like it, one of the nice features is it doesn't have high waves. That's mm-hmm. Well, also the wave would have to be like exactly parallel to the <gasps> ground to cause this problem. It's like you get perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, so I said, well, but those waves are never going to be high enough that they're going to get in the way. And she said, well, you don't know if that wave is close up or far away. 
has, has this person seen a wave? Like, they're not like this perfect line that just matches the exact sand level. They're, they're <laughs> cresting and they go up and down. and They're obvious. You so, know a wave when you see it. So we waited a long time for her to finish her explanation about perspective. And uh-huh. I said, okay, okay, well... I think I see the confusion here. I made the mistake of using the word confusion. She oh, got, no. She got so mad at she me. She was for, not confused. For saying she was confused. Yeah. Oh, it's you who are confused. You don't understand don't me. Don't Ross-splain this. Right. So I said, okay, well, here's here's a visual. Let's And I, I sat across from her like you and I are doing right now, eye to eye. I said, okay, we are level eye to eye right now. Uh-huh. Now, let's say you move me back nine 0.6 miles that away, but we never lose uh, and eye contact. And when you contact. say that away, you're pointing behind, behind you. Me. Right. So across the lake, you and I never lose eye contact, though. Mm-hmm. We're looking at each other. We have great vision. And now let's say there's a two-foot rock right here. Now, it's not as... No, w- describe right here. Okay. So so she and I are looking at each other, and I'm saying, look, there's a rock between us. But between it's, us. But okay. it's lower than our eye mm-hmm. lock, our vantage right. point. So say, okay, so you have this two-foot rock, and it never obstructs our vision. But if I move back nine and a half miles, you could slide this rock forward or backward anywhere along that path, and it would never obstruct our view of each other. Uh-huh. Because perspective. I'm right. trying to explain this. Oh, she was not having it. She did not get it. Uh. She would not get it. And then she would try to explain perspective to us again. And at one point, this is what happens with Sydney. So you try to be as nice as possible, as patient as possible. But then at some point, you lose your cool. I made a little uh. joke. So she said, you can't understand me. And I said, well, that much is true. <laughs> so I said that. Yeah, no, I mean, I probably would have said that an hour earlier. Everybody else chuckled at that. Oh, my, she latched onto that. And she said, well, I'm glad you've admitted now that okay. that you can't understand me is how uh, she right. said it. Okay, Sydney. All right, well, let's resume productive conversation. No, uh-huh. she wasn't having it. Uh, so I apologize for acting like you for one brief second. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> mm. <laughs> so it's all of this lowest common denominator interaction and then the second the second you do the same thing yes then that is reflected back at you you are a terrible person right right right. and yet she's calling us liars and right right and she's saying all kinds of when i go low you go high (laughs) she says all kinds of horrible things about us but none of us clutch our hearts and say like i can't believe you you said that i'm you know purposefully deceiving you right uh, Ross, I hate to be uh, as annoying as <laughs> uh, Sydney. I don't know if you could be. <laughs> well, thank you. But I have to interrupt you. Okay. Because we have a Jumbotron. <gasps> a Jumbotron. Yeah. Like a really big Tron, like maybe 25 feet by 25 feet. <laughs> right, right. But You could see it from miles away. Yeah, but not if you like walk forward because then you'll just be facing the ground. <laughs> and then um, you'll be staring at the ground. Exactly. Uh, I'm but... glad you understand the globe model. <laughs> But this uh, Jumbotron is for Danielle from Garrett. And Garrett says, this one goes out to my lovely listener of the grisly goings on of Ross and Carrie. (laughs) May your birthday and our anniversary be forever blessed by ladies who give us maximum fun to listen to on our days off. Love, Garrett. I'm not sure who the ladies are. Are they us? Or the female employees of Maximum Fun? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. There are many fine women who bring (laughs) us these podcasts. Yeah, yeah, women and men. and Stacey. Lindsay, Teresa. Yeah. And uh, hey, Sydney McElroy. We're talking about her. Sydney (laughs) McElroy. Exactly. The ladies, the ladies. uh, There's all kinds of ladies involved. You're so right. So, yeah, thank you all the ladies and all the gentlemen as well. 
And thank you, Danielle, for listening. All right. So we're wandering around having all these interactions. Rob Skiba is there. He was one of the speakers at the Flat Earth Conference. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got to see him for the first time in the flesh. He was a friendly guy. Nice. We got along swimmingly. Uh, He had Jaron on the phone with him. Oh, boy. So one of them was doing a live stream about all this. I think it was Jaron, but maybe it was someone else. The Jaronism fellow. Right. Who has reached out to us and wants to be on the show. Yes. I think. Yes. Most of the time, yes. We've gotten a few emails from him. <laughs> so we're having those interactions. And then I've got people running up to me constantly saying, hey, I, I just saw this on the other side of the lake from up here on the berm. Oh, that's, well, cool. It's very interesting. Oh, but I saw this thing and it on the map, it says that it's 20 feet high and I shouldn't be able to see that. Oh, but you do remember that the Salton Sea is 200 36 feet below sea level. So are you accounting for that? Uh-huh. When you're me- <laughs> I mean, I, we also, have- this just isn't the test. Yeah, we have a protocol. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so they're all finding all these other arbitrary things that they've seen. And, and we think that that's only 40 feet up off the ground off, on the other oh, side. God. That road is only this high. You, you don't know any of that. What are you? Ugh. I'm ah. starting to just picture like dogs barking in a pound. <laughs> it's pandemonium. Yeah. Nathan every now and then runs by to shout something about Astro or meteors or whatever oh it is. Oh my God. It's wild. He gave me his card, by the way. Oh, cool. Which mentions that NASA means uh, deceiver. On his business card? Yeah. Okay. That one doesn't work out. Does it have his phone number? Turns out. Or does it just say, Nathan, NASA means deceiver? Oh, it says a lot of things. Cool. Oh, it's like a Dr. Bronner's bottle? It's somewhere between a minimal business card and a Dr. Bronner's <laughs> bottle. It says spherical trigonometry disproves the globe research Hashtag flat earth. And it's got like a table of, I don't know how to. I don't know what that is. Okay. Look at angles of the earth. Oh my God. It's involved. Yeah. Excel I, formula. I, what does. I, I think. What? I think it's trying to debunk the whole eight inches squared per mile drop of the earth. Okay. But if you don't believe in gravity, that kind of uh-huh. uh, measurement. Let's see. What else does it say? Yeah. NASA in Hebrew means to deceive. Uh, no. That's Mm -hmm. not true. AutoCAD disproves the globe. Oh, yeah. Come on, NASA. Make your mind up. What does the Earth really look like? And it's got eight different photos from different probes or satellites over the years that look different because they have different false colors or they're different composites or they're at different distances from the Earth that they were taken. But, yeah, he does give his phone number on here and his email. Okay, good. And it's just making sure he knows what a business card's for. Oh, yes. And cool, cool. website nasalies.org. Ooh. He's the California state director. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure that's an elected position. Okay. So meanwhile, we're also doing this boat test where we've got the boat headed out with a flat earther and two IIG members. And I've set my camera for one foot high because mm-hmm. we're going to have this boat go out three miles. And so if I'm standing up at full height, three miles is well within the horizon. I'm going to see everything, Mm -hmm. which is another way to test it. And sure enough, when they were out three miles, we could still see the full sign from full height. But at my one foot vantage point where I have my Nikon P900, Mm -hmm. sure enough, at one mile, I can still see the entire sign. Even though things are getting a little wavy with the heat distortion, I can see the the bottom frame of that because the horizon point was, I think, at 1.22 miles approximately uh, from that height. So then they go out two miles and I can actually see them 
more clearly. I think the heat was starting to dissipate, at least the distortion. Mm-hmm. The first one foot stripe was kind of half obscured. Again, exactly as the earth curvature predicted. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. punching these numbers in. They go out three miles and I have to lift the camera up a bit. One thing about the Nikon P900 is sometimes it just refuses to focus on oh, things. Oh, geez. Okay. And, you know, I'm not going to fault it. This is an amazing piece of equipment just mm-hmm. that it can zoom as far as it does, but you don't have any precise control over where or how much it's focusing. At least if there's a focus knob, someone tell me. Okay. Uh, I, I couldn't find one. So sometimes. And, and I assume you were manually focusing. You can't, though. So oh. you just have to hope that the algorithm inside it sort of latches onto some feature. And oh, my goodness. Sharpens. Okay. So yeah, I'm not getting anything. When they're at three miles, you can't see them with the naked eye at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm trying to pick them up on this camera. And so when I went 14 inches above the water, I was able to lock in on them. And so we redid the calculation. But still, it was should have been close to two stripes, two feet of the sign uh, obscured. A little over one and a half, I think. And sure enough, that's what was showing up. And so the National Geographic people are coming over and they're showing it on my camera. And they're asking me, well, why do you think this is? And I'm saying, well, because the earth is getting in the way. Mm-hmm. It's curved, mm-hmm. even this water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then Mark Sargent is there within earshot. And they say, well, what do you say to that? And he's looking at the footage. And he says, it's all a mirage. <laughs> What? Feta Morgana. What? We know the earth is flat. That's... That's his response. That's not an answer. Yeah. It was exactly what the calculations predicted. We saw just as much of the sign as we should have and no more. Uh, So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So then everyone was just uh, running around saying how, oh, this is a terrible test and... uh, talking about all kinds of other things that had nothing this to do test with the that test. we agreed to from the outset speaking of mark Sargent, definitely you can tell he knows he's kind of a center of attention he started this modern flat earth youtube movement mm-hmm. and he feels his celebrity the world revolves around him <laughs> he feels his celebrity status mm-hmm. he also has a shirt that just says i am mark Sargent." <laughs> In bold, <laughs> bold letters. I want one. And a picture of the flat earth like you see on the UN flag. Uh, you know, it'd be fun to wear one and be like, no, I am Mark Sargent. Should, where did you get that shirt? Can I get one? <laughs> <laughs> and then fight with them that it's the Mandela effect and you're pretty right. sure you're Mark Sargent. So anywhere he went, he wanted to make sure that if he's exerting effort, he was going to be on camera for it. Ah, uh, okay. And Andrew had a good story. Andrew was sitting on a bench once and National Geographic. Your son, Andrew? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so as uh, Mark Sargent was about to be filmed on something, he said, hey, do we need to move the kid from this bench? <laughs> Which was Andrew. God. <laughs> It's like, you let the camera people figure that out. Right, right. Anyways, so we'd pretty much wrapped up all the tests at this point, and we were uh, in communication with Spencer, and I kept worrying about this boat out on the water because we couldn't see them, and we wouldn't hear from them for a while, so I kept calling up, and Jim would call up, you guys still okay? You coming Mm -hmm. back? Uh, Because we wanted to take a group photo, Mm -hmm. but they were taking a long time getting back, and people were getting antsy, and they wouldn't believe. Yeah, I wouldn't be quick to get back either. I'd be like, you know, let's stay out here a while. (laughs) But it it was hot. And oh, everybody yeah. wanted to go. And so yeah. some people were already leaving us saying, oh, we got to get a group photo, though, because this is an important moment. We mm-hmm. got all of us together. And even though some of these discussions have been contentious, I, I really appreciate all of you coming out here. It means a lot. Absolutely. And uh, and yeah, a lot of friendly conversations were had as well before mm-hmm. they uh, broke down. So <laughs> we did eventually get everyone together. And I had to like yell at a few people like, get over here. It's mm-hmm. now. We're doing it now. I set down my Nikon P900, hooked up my phone, and we did a nice big group photo. A little later, I realized, uh uh-oh, where's the Nikon P900? 
Uh-oh. That's got all the official footage on it. I've already started putting away my other tripods, but then one of the guys on the boat, he came out and he was asking me when they had finally arrived, he had said, I want to see the footage and what, what you guys were seeing. Uh-huh. So I'm But looking... you had left it in Costa Rica. <laughs> right. My All my SD cards are in Costa Rica. It's like all my exes are in Texas. Uh-huh. And so I'm frantically looking around, but I'm already formulating what might have happened. Uh-huh. After I look everywhere I can and ask everybody, I think, okay, is Sydney still here? Oh. By the way, at this point, Sydney has also walked up to me at one point while I'm just standing on the berm, and she comes up to me in kind of a huff and says, you know what? I just thought of the perfect argument against the round earth, and it's the same argument you use. I'm not going to listen to you, and I don't believe you. <laughs> and she walks Great. She walks off in a huff. Great. Good job, Sydney. That, okay. Wow. Good she's, job. She's special. So I, I find her. Thankfully, she hasn't left yet, but I ask her, Hey, Sydney, I know you have the same type of camera. Have, have you seen my Nikon P900 around? Oh, to her credit, she says, let me go check. Let me go check. And so she goes to her car. She comes back with my camera. She's, oh, wow. She's grabbed it and packed it away. I said, oh, thank you so much. I was really worried about that. Uh, the lens cap, could you look for that? I'm pretty sure that was on there too. Mm-hmm. So she comes back with two lens caps. And she said, which one is yours? Oh, this, this one is mine. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh, my friend Tony. But she hadn't deleted anything. Well, my friend Tony later on thought kind of the same thing that you did. Maybe uh, she grabbed that intentionally to grab the footage in advance, uh-huh. have someone copy it. I'm not a conspiratorial thinker, so uh-huh. I, I'm going to assume that had nothing to do well, with it. Well, I mean, as long as everything's still on there, I'm not it worried. It is. Okay. Yeah, as, as far as I could tell, nothing was I mean, was missing. copying it... Pfft. Even if she did, fine. Sure. I don't think it was malicious. Right. No, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, it's just... uh, I just... That just felt like where the story was going. Yeah. uh, Scary. I was scared for a moment just because this is our official test footage on the Nikon P900. Oh, goodness. Yeah, then everyone started going their different ways. You know what you can do next time you lose the camera, though? Yeah. Get another camera the same kind and, and focus it and anything that is disappeared will reappear on the horizon line oh that's true i should have just done that why didn't i do that Mm -hmm. so that's uh that's pretty much what happened at our salton sea earth curvature test that's what i'm calling it i'm not precluding around or flat and uh you know was it a perfect test no uh, we would definitely do it differently the second time. We would use a, a solid target on the opposite side, mm-hmm. and we would get started earlier in the morning like we were planning. Just mm-hmm. didn't work out. Yeah, tests are hard. It was all volunteer tests effort. Tests are hard. You know, we did something, and we certainly did not see anything inconsistent with what we would expect from the curvature of the Earth. It was all within the parameters of what a curved Earth would predict. And uh, things that would really need explaining on a flat Earth. Yes, r- exactly. So it was pandemonium, but yeah, also fun. We had a good yeah. time and uh, we all got a bit sunburned. You know, I kept thinking while you were telling the story about how when you're trying to persuade someone, it's such a weird thing because the ground you're trying to gain is their brain. Mm. And they mm-hmm. have total control over that ground. You're always playing on their home turf. So you always have to be, I guess, I guess it's like they can be a little more of a jerk. They can be a little more obtuse about points mm. because they have the hometown advantage <laughs> at all times, you know? Certainly some of the people we were talking to were constitutionally closed off to any alternate mm-hmm. explanation. Right. And they would say as much. They would say, oh, no, there's there's no way you can convince me of this. I know it's all lies. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's something, I mean, and me included, but it's it's something that 
when we're trying to persuade, we can forget often is like, uh, you'll feel like, well, I'm being fair with the data. So that's all I need to do. But the reality is, if you genuinely want to change their mind, you're going to kind of have to swallow your pride a little bit and Mm -hmm. be like, yep, you have the advantage here. And I'm going to accept that. Right. And and work within that. I feel anytime we would make any kind of concession in good faith, just saying, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. We can't know this for certain. That would instantly be used as ammunition against us. Right. And oh, God, that's so. It's the, it's so terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. They'll they'll listen to this and they'll pick it apart for any mm-hmm. little phrase. Oh, this phrase could mean this, and that's the least gracious version of what you said, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold you to it and right. amplify it. I mean, but to be fair, I think we also went in expecting the Earth is curved, and mm-hmm. we also had a definite vantage point. So, so it's hard. Uh, some things are genuinely mirrored on either side, but I don't think all attitudes are. Mm-hmm. Um, any. Anything you can say about the Flat Earth group, they can turn around and say right back about you. Yeah. And not just you, but me Right, as right. Well. People, can, people can say things. I've neglected to mention in the interferometer discussion, the tall physicist of ours, mm-hmm. uh, he kept throwing that out. And so he cornered me at one point and said, were well, you familiar with the Mickelson and Morley experiments from the 1880s, I think it was? And... I said, oh, yeah, yeah, they were looking for ether. They were trying to measure, like, if you take a light beam and you split it in two off of a mirror and one part of the light goes perpendicular to the other and they go a long distance, will they return at the same exact moment or will they be out of sync? Because Mm. the idea at the time was that there was this ether that Mm. was the medium for light to flow Mm -hmm. through. And so if you have them going at perpendicular angles, one of them is going to be going a bit against the stream. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it was a it was a really smart test, and it's been refined and refined more over the years, and tried different times. But it proved that there wasn't any ether; that light goes the same speed no matter what, mm-hmm. and that just supports relativity, which came along later and and made sense of those kinds of experiments. And so I I just mentioned the ether part, and he said, "Oh, that's what people always think that it was to measure ether, but it was actually to determine whether the Earth is moving, and it's not." They proved conclusively in the 1880s that the Earth isn't moving. Moving. That is not true. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's not true. So, yeah, it just feels like, you know, I mean, uh, to their credit, a lot of these people have this like immense catalog of information yes. in their heads that yes. I, I don't have the capacity for. I couldn't remember all the names of all these experiments and yeah, all these like sort of quasi facts, you know, they right. have this amazing retention. Yeah. But then they just kind of pull it out in list form and shout it at you and none yes. of it's actually like interacting in any useful way so that you can hold on to one thought for a second before they move on to the next one. Right. And it was so the gish gallop all day long. Just you know, the we're, Gish Gallop. I never heard that. That's in creationism. You had Dwayne Gish, who was famous for just trotting out a bunch of things. You know, about, oh, okay. This about polystrate fossils, and this about carbon dating, and blah blah blah. And you just throw things out there, and it's it takes a long time to unpack and properly explain these concepts. Right. But it takes almost zero time to gallop over someone. Right. So totally. It's the Gish Gallop. So they were doing that ad nauseum. Yeah. Uh, throughout the day. Ad nauseum is the term. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I happen to know a little bit about that one. But yeah, then I think they find themselves in that position where you're the person who knows these obscure facts 
and has put a lot of importance on them. If someone else hasn't spent all the same time that you have obsessing over these arcane Mm -hmm. bits of knowledge, well, then they're A, anti-scientific and B, ignorant, and you can call Mm -hmm. them all kinds of names. Right. And especially when you're shouting at them at the same time as two other people and their attention's being driven all these different directions. It's, it's, anyways, that was wild. And I mean, even if you didn't spend time on that, it still wouldn't have anything to do with whether that test was a good test. Right. And you could have walked into this. You could have never thought about whether the earth was round or flat and showed up to this test and it would still be a fair test. Yeah. 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 So all all of that side chatter was just distracting from why we were there, mm-hmm. uh, which was a little frustrating. But, well, you know, what can you do? I, it's cool that they all showed up. But at the same time, it turned it into this crazy. Yeah. It's wild. There's footage out there of it that you'll see. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a madhouse. But you know what? People who fight the hardest are probably dealing with like the most cognitive dissonance. Yeah, and and they're primed to be in the fighting position. Mm-hmm. They're online fighting all the time, and not all of us kept our cool on the globe head side either. I certainly don't feel I always did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a lot of people from our side, the globe heads, globesters, whatever you want to call us, come to me afterwards and say, how are you so patient when you talk to them? I hope that they were observing something in actuality. Yeah, I think you and I both have like a high tolerance threshold for nonsense. But here's my here's my (laughs) tip to those who want it. Try to find the absurdity in it. Like for me, it's finding the sort of enjoyment of like, whoa, look at the human condition. My goodness, look at us. Step outside of yourself in the moment enough to just appreciate what's going on and that you're having this rarefied interaction. Yeah, if you can have... You know, it's like they say in improv, just have fun up there. You know, (laughs) genuinely, if you can just be like, if you can find something fun about it, something enjoyable, that that will up your tolerance by a lot. Another guideline is that it's never worth getting to the angry point. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you if you start getting there, just you know, back off. It's not worth it. Defending your honor or pride or responding to their ad hominem attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, just, it's not worth getting angry mm-hmm. about. As long as you can remember that, you can feel it when you approach that asymptote and say, okay, I need to just mm. step back. Yeah, I feel like you, uh, I probably got angry at like the ex-gay thing. Sure. But yeah, uh, yeah, certainly with things where it's like, Nothing's at stake except our understanding of information. Right. And that's where this one is at least slightly different from, say, the anti-vaccine movement, which gets under my skin a lot more. Right. See what I did there? (laughs) Because, yeah, the stakes are lower, except, except I think that these flat earth ideas cause you to sow so much distrust of all authority and and any kind of appreciation of science. And, ugh. Yeah. Oh, the selective use of science here, too. This was also proudly on display. Like, oh, we love science whenever it agrees with us. And it was this kind of apologetic argument. Like, okay, we can ignore 98% of other science. But in 1880, Mm -hmm. they said something that I think makes me right. Right. So that's good science. Right. I feel like I'm now going to get 10 emails about how, like, actually the stakes are very high with flat eartherism. We get it. They're high. Yeah. The implications. (laughs) But the claim itself about the earth... Right. Is less imperiling than not vaccinating your children. Right. I think also what's really angering about those, you know, like anti-vax, ex-gay, all of that is like the victim is so clear to you and yet you're still taking this position. Mm -hmm. Like it's so 
obvious that you're hurting your gay son. It's so obvious that you're not helping your child fight off diseases she mm. should be able to fight off. Like, the victim's right there in your face. Right. You know, whereas with... It, it, it's true, like, the stakes are high as far as, like, our ability as a society to process information and so on. But at yeah. least I can say, I get it. You don't see the victim. You don't, you, you're you yeah. at a remove from it. Right. I can see your vantage point. I can see how you're filtering the world here and kind of your explanation of how we came to be the way we are, mm-hmm. how this is an aberration. But you're wrong. And so <laughs> I have to kind of disapprove of how you're treating this person right now right. and harming their lives. Yeah. Oh boy. It, I, I would say the flat earth claims I can actually get my head into that space. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can feel mm-hmm. it at times and be like, oh, wait, what if they're right? You know, I can mm-hmm. sort of play around in that headspace for a while. And then, then I remember so many other things. Mm-hmm. I remember all of the other reasons why we know the earth is round. We it's do. super round, it, you guys. It, it it's really, so round. It really is. So, so we tried to find a nice, approachable, interactive way that we could demonstrate it being consistent with all the claims and equipment that they recommend. So, you know, we did our best for that day. We would do better the next time. So maybe it'll happen again. We'll see. Cool. I'll be helping write a more detailed report for the IIG uh, where we'll talk about more of the official side of it. Uh, But it was fun getting to talk about the more personal side of it here. Also, I wanted to tell you, and you can edit this out if you want, kudos on putting your cell phone number on an invitation to a bunch of flat earthers to join oh, I'm that still, test. I'm paying for it. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting texts now. Because I shared, I tweeted it out, the invitation, and I thought like, eh, it says Ross in there, and uh, people are getting up. But I, then I thought, he put it on the internet. <laughs> that was his call. I'm nothing if not an idiot. <laughs> I, I gave my number to Scientology, too. Well, yeah. I, yeah. And Mark Sargent, he gave his number to the world. Oh, that's true. That's true. And Natalie Palomitas calls it out on nearly every episode of his <laughs> <That's movies>. right. <laughs> Minus like one digit sometimes. Hilarious. Oh, dear. Speaking of which, mm. uh, we recently posted a video on Facebook of me fixing a sign in Hollywood that had <laughs> a, on a for rent sign on uh-huh. an apartment, it had my number except it was one digit off. Yep. And so people kept calling me because it was faded and it looked a lot like my phone number. So this was for a couple months and you went with me and uh, videoed it as I climbed up the fence. And fixed it. (laughs) And fixed it. It was pretty good. (laughs) A fun little side adventure if you want to check that out. Sometimes we don't get acupuncture. Sometimes we just hang out. It's rare, but it happens. (laughs) I know. I wish we we would get to hang out more. Yeah. Well, we went and saw Off Book Live. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good show. Carrie took me to see Off Book, a very hilarious podcast where they make up a musical as they go along. It's real good. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I think the earth's around. We digress. Yeah, me too. I don't feel like doing the uh, ratings yet. We're going to defer them for the future because we'll Uh, probably talk about the Didn't we already uh, do some for Flat Earth? We've never done it? No. All right. Well, listen you guys it's uh, the earth's round (laughs) maybe after we talk to jaron of jaronism oh yeah we'll see hi jaron 
Well, I guess that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can also find us on facebook.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. That stands for Oh No, Ross and Carrie. And the forward slashes where the little man is falling forward if you <laughs> read left to right. But if you use a backslash, uh, apparently it'll just be corrected. It'll still work. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Oh No Podcast. O-H-N-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I had to think about how to spell podcast for a second. <laughs> and that little man, when he leans forward, he's just going to see the ground. Yeah, that's true. On a globe. Oh, oh, good God. You can also donate to this podcast. Make it possible at MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. D-O-N-A-T-E. We're good spellers. Don't use the eight. Spell out. Donate. Sure. Don't use the eight. Spell out. Donate. That's our new slogan. (laughs) Great slogan. And also Greta.com. You can find our podcast there and you can comb the text for any uh, slight. Any tiny thing we said wrong. Yeah. Any slight problem. And then you can make big hay out of it. Yeah. Have fun. And remember. This argument between Jim Underdown and Mark Sargent and a few others. I would love to see that. You do a video. We don't have to do the video. We gave them the paper before we came out here. No, no, we don't want to see a paper. We got the video. We want to see your book of world records was there with us, documented the whole thing. Okay, world star. Where where can it be found on YouTube? Oh please, YouTube, the the arbiter of all that is true. YouTube's the best peer review in the world. There's no better peer review in the world than YouTube. Ever known. There's information of all sorts. That's right. The YouTuber Nobel Prize winners is a no. long list. So, you so if you put this, if you put this experiment on YouTube, it's not valid. Come back with a laser. So wait, if you put this experiment on YouTube, it's not valid. You're going to be very open about testing. I mean, you came here today. Yeah, everybody in this group woke up at 3 a.m. to show to do this demonstration. So he's obviously very open. Agree. Agree. You know what? Discussing with you guys. You know what? You know you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We outnumber about five to one. Yep. Not in the world of science, you don't. <laughs> oh, a tiny, you weird minority. Oh, the, you haven't been looking at the numbers, my friend. <laughs> oh, name me one actual scientist that Mark. believes we the world is Mark, if you we want to come back with a laser, we'll do it. We'll yeah. come back with a laser. If you could hit a target and make sure it's level, I would love to see you hit a target on the if other side. If we start side. from one shore. You won't do it. I'm predicting right now you will not do it. Because we haven't done it already? You won't do it again. You didn't show us. We, we have the do- We have the video for you. I don't see the video. We came out here and showed you in person. You show us in person. Can I ask you a question? Fair enough. Dude. Same challenge. Fair enough. I'd like to ask a question. Challenge accepted, Uh-oh. bro. <laughs> do you guys feel the earth moving? Oh, come on. No, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. When you ride on a train, do you feel it moving? Are you familiar? That's linear momentum. This is yes. linear, too. Well, if the Earth is it, rotating, it's, it's angular no, momentum. The, re- the reason oh, you okay. ever feel any change in speed is, is the change change of acceleration. So, what about the compound of the Earth rotating and going around the Sun? It's Why don't we feel that? Because we're on the ball. Shouldn't we feel a fluctuation of no, centrifugal force? We're not sitting on a boat on an ocean. There's a massive rock floating through the space. You've never proven movement ever. That's why you don't feel it. That's why there are feel in a plane. All right, so you guys know what an interferometer is. know who you'll run into in Fairhaven, the city under the bubble. Allison Becker, Eliza Skinner, 
Keith Powell, mucus-drenched imp monsters, Rob Corddry, Christelle Alonzo, Judy Greer, grotesquely possessive carnivorous plants, Justin McElroy, Travis McElroy, Griffin McElroy, terrifying malevolent sentient beards, John Hodgman, Paul F. Tompkins, Lisa Loeb, Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.